0: This is Space Cat's Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 35, First Round Strategies, Emirates of Hakan. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson.
1: Right, Matt so this is what I want you to do for how the episode starts so uh, it's exterior there are cats right and they're meowing right and one of the cats is wearing a red beret and it's like is it a beret and then one of the other cats is like no it's a shroud but it's like on TI3 it looked like a beret and then
0: there's like one cat um, his name's Porky <laughs> Porky he's a real he's a real go-getter he lives on this sand dune planet and he, he comes out of his house, and his uncle starts yelling at him. No, and he's like, no, no. Okay, yeah. so this is what it is there is a god king of Arrakis.
1: And his name is Paul the Cat. <laughs> <laughs> and, Paul
0: and the thing about the Paul cat. the Cat is he is a cat, um, yes. but he rides around on a giant sand cat. Uh-huh. Um, um, more, I or used, more. I used to work on uh, this show mm-hmm. with two people named Ben. And Jessa, mm-hmm. and I could not be in the same room as them and not think of the Benny Gesserit. Have
1: you ever even? I've read listened. That
0: I've listened to the first two thirds of it. I've listened to a full cast recording of Dune audiobook. Uh, the first two thirds of it, and I didn't finish. Did you ever get to the part where Paul puts his hand in the box that hurts his hand? <laughs> Do you
1: know what I'm talking about at all? all right. Not well, a clue. There's a scene early in Dune where... Okay, so there's this part early on in Dune. It's actually a Benny Gesserit thing uh-huh. um,
0: where... I uh, probably did get to it. I have almost no recollection it's pretty of what early. was happening. It's, it's pretty early. It's like I the just, first quarter of the book. I, I was listening to it in the car and don't remember anything that ever happened. Well, there's this part where
1: she's like, put your hand in this box, and he does, and it hurts. It hurts. Uh, and I did in in junior high. Oh, no. I did that scene
0: as like a dramatic wow. reading, you and were it was such the nerd. lamest, nerdiest Loser. thing I've ever done. All right, well, let's do something less nerdy. Let's <laughs> record right. a podcast about Twilight Imperium. <laughs> what do you say? Well, do you want to talk about Fallout seventy six and like what we're excited you forced about? It. I said no. <laughs> I said no. We're not doing that. And you're forcing. I it. I don't want to talk about Twilight Imperium. I want to talk about Bethesda's new. Game. We just played a game. Okay. Of not Fallout 76. Right. Uh you were the Emirates of Khan. Send us your Fallout 76 theories. I was the Yin Brotherhood. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh and I We were playing with Doug. Kick your butt. You didn't kick my butt. Kick your butt. He won. Uh again so
1: good. as the Yin. Yeah. Um he still maintains that he thinks they're a bad race, but he has won twice with the Yin now. Um he won uh taking that one to my grave, right? <laughs> He won due to an initiative order. Which can I just say something? And and I'll and I will owl out um, a victory I had in the stream. Right. That it has been coming down to initiative order more and more and more. Like yep. it's like the tighter this game gets, yeah. The more it comes down to like who picked the 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 lower
0: number card on the last round right and that's crazy and sometimes you need a specific card on the last round to do the strategy and so you don't get to pick your initiative i word.
1: just can't believe how often now i'm seeing yep games where multiple people got to 10 i'm also i want to share this i'm starting to feel a little bit like maybe 10's just not doing it for me anymore i'm ready for 14 it's not
0: i don't think <laughs> we finished the guys and i'm ready for 14 <laughs> i mean really he's got it tattooed on his chest i'm ready Everybody. for 14 it says he's ready for 14 hunter You've been slaving away at this. I've been slaving away, but I mean, like, it's, it's, uh... We we stalled. Last week we stalled. We can't stall anymore. Yeah, well... This is it. This is your... What if we did,
1: like, what about
0: Hakan ideas about (laughs) where to sit at the table? No, this is an episode about Hakan, and we got called out for, for, uh... Too much preamble last week, so we got to get to the...
1: Did we get called out for that? We did.
0: Who do, Who called us out? Name guess, them. Guess. Uh, Knob Daddy. Knob Daddy. Knob Daddy came Nob down. Knob didn't like the preamble. Seriously? I'm serious. Knob Daddy didn't like the preamble. Uh, like so Knob Daddy was like, boys,
1: <laughs> boys,
0: <laughs> too much talk at the top. Knob <laughs> Daddy, of course, has every right. Uh, as sorry. The- we're sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, we're t- we are doing the on today, and we spent last week... Working through the trade stuff because we had to Uh, we just and I'm glad we did it and you know what?
1: I'm glad we did it the way that we did it now because it seems like there was a decent amount of people that still like kind of got tripped up on it's like it's hard to describe the um, nuances of transactions right in uh, the medium that is audio right right and it's also just hard to make like a like a definitive about how you're going to behave with these yeah. real people right that you're there is going no definitive because
0: it's like you got to play the room i mean there's there is no definitives and so it right. was it was nice to set up as much of a definitive as we can so today we're going forward we won't talk about that stuff nearly as much no we're only we, going to talk about that in in the relation to the normal right. strategy guide stuff right. that we talk about so from here on out you're getting another exhaustive conservative look at how to play hakan i think the one thing we need to do at the top of this is kind of reestablish the fact that this guide will not um, sound exactly right to every single play group. No, it won't. Because of the virtue of how Hakon is. This is the problem with the Emirates of Hakon. Their whole advantage, when we get to the end of this episode and we try to say what their superpower is and like what their abilities are, their abilities rely on metagame. So the problem Hunter and I have had with this guide is the fact that uh, me personally, I am super mean to Hakan players. I don't like letting them get away with anything. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of groups that share my sentiment. And Hakan never gets a favorable trade. There are and then, of... and then they're going to be a bad race in that and group. They, they are, are not going to be a powerful race. Right? They they actually lose a lot of ability.
1: It's crazy because they are the only race in the game, the only faction in the game that is that um, their ability. You could just say no to it. Right. You could just be like no. I won't I don't do want to. You can't, like, if if L1 brings their dreadnoughts right. to bombard your planet, you can't be like, how about we just not do Harrow, though? Right, exactly. Hey, guys, we're not doing Harrow. Hey, everyone, hey, we're all in agreement. We're actually, none of us are going so to do hero so we're not do doing it. Oh, uh, now I can't do Hera. Right. Like, it no. doesn't work like that.
0: Hakon, Hakan, ev- the whole table can agree to just yeah, take like, away your power. They could just be like, we don't want to trade with you, and we're not going to. Right. And we are coming at this guide from closer to that perspective than the other perspective, which is Hakan gets the run of it. And yeah. And when Hakan gets the run of it, they're incredibly good, and honestly... It's like the Joel Nar problem of just like, well, how do you tell someone to just do anything because they have so much money every single round no matter what and everyone likes them. And yeah. so, this is the this is the bell curve that we're working from. I think they might be now that so I'm
1: sorry guys. Let's talk for a little bit about mm-hmm. the different. I, I I feel like TI3 Hakan versus TI4, Hakan's, a lot has changed, really, when it comes down to it. And it sucks because I think they're a fan favorite for a lot of people. They were my favorite race when I was playing TI3. And TI3, they got their money, and then like the way trade agreements work, you would just trade them out, and then they were just kind of this consistent advantage
0: that you had for the entire game. We've said this before, Uh, Hakan and TI3 just made their money. They, Mm -hmm. They were gonna get their money. Um, they didn't make as much as they make in TI4, right, right? but they always got their money. Right. TI4, though. TI4 is like, you
1: have to start over. There's nothing, there's no consistency to Hakan anymore. Yeah. Because every time the negotiation starts happening again, you're starting over. Yep. Basically. Except for, if you're playing with a smart group... As you go on, as you play through the game, you're starting at a lower and lower point. Yeah. Because if you're doing well, people are not going to want to trade with you. Right. Um, Even if you're not doing well, if you just have a lot of trade goods, people are going to want to start like, yeah, they're going to be careful about how they trade. Yeah.
0: All right, so, so that was all, a little a little extra stuff I feel like heady, for part one, but I think it sets up the framework of like why we're going to say a lot of the things we're going to say, and we don't want to shock you. I feel like there's right. going to be a lot of people that play Hakan and they're like, "That doesn't I, make any that, sense." Yeah, at, with how my group plays them, and that is probably true. Right. You, th- unfortunately, this being a lot of people's favorite factions, this guide might be useless to. Like a percent, a decent percentage of people. This right, guy, might right. not. I mean, right. it'll pro, the hope is that we've hit some things that are pretty universal about Hakan, even if they're in a group that is very, very good. But the pitfalls, the things that we're worried about as Hakon, some groups have made hear that and say that has never happened ever in right. my group. I put Sol and Jolnar in this obvious group way above, and I put Hakan in this gray area below them. Or sometimes they are. Sometimes they are as I good think they're just as Soul and Jolnar. And I then think their advantage is just not. so different. It like is. like Soul and
1: Jolnar is. have such a stable. They stand on rock solid ground right. with their advantage. Like. People, we talk about how if there's a Jelnar in the in the game, you might want to like avoid taking tech. Right. That's not going to happen. There are victory points that require people to buy tech, and yeah. the way that tech is sort of like bottlenecked, you have to be getting a tech every yeah. round. Almost but, no
0: other faction requires trade.
1: Right. So that's yeah, that's and essentially that's the, problem. the problem. That that people can actually look at the trade strategy card and say
0: no, don't want it. So we got way ahead of ourselves in this episode. Yep. Let's, uh, let's let's back actually... up. <laughs> let's hit some basics of Hakan, and let's let's uh let's cover this faction last week we covered their basic abilities right um do we want to do that real fast we'll we're just gonna do them a, one, yeah. once more
1: uh their first ability master of trade you do not have to spend a command token to resolve the secondary ability of the trade strategy card their second ability is called guild chips so you can negotiate transactions with players who are not your neighbor last ability is called arbiters when you are no- negotiating a transaction action cards can be
0: exchanged as part of that transaction all right. They have six commodities. And they also have six commodities. Uh, let's talk about their start. They start with, they are the only faction in the game with three planets in their home system, right. or any system for that matter. It's right. the only three-planet home system. That being said, quite bad. Yeah. A quite terrible home system. It's well, a things- two zero, a 1-1, one, one, and a zero one. one Right. Yes. So overall, 3-2. Yeah. No. Yes. Three. Two. Three. Two. As much as the Arborax home system, mm-hmm. which we have said is bad, and uh, honest, we tend to like multi planet home systems, but with Hakan, it kind of goes too far in the it's, other direction it, it can
1: be uh you can be
0: a juicy target in the late game
1: as a uh, easily invaded home yes. system when
0: to block you from scoring public objectives all someone has to do is take one planet from your home race it's very difficult to defend from three planets yes so. um so let's start about their t- their starting
1: technology um it's good they are a two tech mm-hmm. race this mm-hmm. is probably you know one of the biggest signifiers of a great race is that they start, start with two with tech, tech. Um, their first is anti-mass deflectors. It's blue. It's you know you know it minus one to minus PDS one to fighters. PDS, which is great. Um, you, can fields. Fields. you can go through asteroid fields. Sarween tools. Um, you get that little extra money when you produce uh, that one good. It's great. Um, their starting units are also like pretty good. We're talking two carrier, one cruiser, two fighters,
0: four infantry. One space dot. What's that? Two C four I. That's two C four I. So a decent start, but a bad home system, but good starting tech. So it's kind of like a middle. Like, I, I would put them right in the middle of uh, starting out. And right. and if we're going by our little thing we said before, if we when we assign our numbers, they end up being kind of right in the middle too. Right. I think it's twenty two resources is what mm-hmm. they total out at, not counting their influence. Whatever, let's talk but about but the flag flagship decent. real quick. But yeah, let's talk about the flagship. Uh, if you listened to our flagship episode, you already kind of know what we feel about the Wrath of Kanara, but Hunter.
1: Uh, the Wrath of after you roll a die during a space combat um, in this system, you may spend one trade good to apply plus one to the result. Uh, it has sustained damage, it costs eight, combat is two on a seven, movement is one, capacity three. Um, it is the... So, <laughs> it's funny because the way they built this flagship, um, all of the two on a seven combat yep. flagships are the ones that have really cool
0: abilities, and this ability just isn't that cool. Yeah. Like, well, because two, two on a seven is like the baseline. Mm-hmm. Uh Should it should be like a ba- that's the ba- that's a basic flagship, and then the right. ability should be pretty decent. Right. Uh, a two on a nine is one where it's like the ability is the whole thing. Right. It's your whole bag. Yeah. And the that's two, the, the only thing that's The ones that are for. two on a five are usually like that. It's a it's a solid ship with like a decent. I
1: ability. mean, I guess now that I think about it, though, a lot of the two on a fives are still lots really of but like so really but, really but the point abilities.
0: is, how good is the ability of this ship? If it's, if the flagship itself is like okay, two on a seven is fine. Yeah. How good is the ability? It's not good. I mean, I I think it
1: clearly is the designers feeling like, well, um,
0: they've already got so much good going for yeah. them. Do they really need a really good flagship on right. top of that? Right. It is trying to play into the strengths of Hakon. The idea with Hakon is you're going to get a lot of trade goods, and you should. You should get lots and lots of trade goods. Uh, and so the idea here is, oh, you can spend trade goods to improve the result of your dice, but you can't do that multiple times to one die. Right. So... If you needed to hit a seven and you rolled a six, yes, you can spend one trade good and improve that. And you mm-hmm. don't have to do it until after the die has been rolled. That's different from, like, the barony ability. Barony, mm-hmm. you have to r- spend money, then you'll be allowed to re-roll this. You can guarantee one thing gets bumped up one. Uh, the problem is, do you really want to spend eight, trade good. Res- well, eight resources to get a meh ship to have an ability you might use twice ever? Right. Right. Um, so when you compare this to eight resources, you could spend on two dreadnoughts with the fact that you start with a blue and a yellow and could very easily get to dreadnought two, you should always buy two dreadnoughts yeah. instead of the Wrath of really And should. that's where it breaks down. It's not a horrible ship. It's not like it is bad. It's not like a detriment to your fleet, but your money can be better spent elsewhere.
1: Yeah, and I th- I think in general, the kind of Hakan guide I'm going to be building for you today has a lot more to do with trying to make as much money early as, as possible, and then banking that money into the late game. And right. I just don't know if I can justify telling you that you should buy Wrath of Kinara and then be prepared to spend these trade goods in like a, like I, I could see it maybe as a defensive measure. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say you're like, I'm, I'm going to get attacked. I'm going to build Wrath of Kinara. I've got the trade goods. Right. If they attack me, I'm going to be able to make a lot, um,
0: or I'm going to be able to make a lot of this work. Right.
1: Um, but
0: yeah. if, you're, if you're struggling on fleet supply or things like that, there, there are reasons to get it, but it's few and far between. So for, for the most part, you're not going to hear us talk about it pretty much for the rest of this episode. Right. We're yeah. done. this is it. It's not good. Uh, right, let's talk about of- the
1: racial tech. Yeah. Uh, the racial tech is uh, the first one is called production biomes. Uh, it requires two green and it is an action. Exhaust this card and spend one token from your strategy pool to gain four trade goods and choose one other player. That player gains two trade goods. Um, the obvious kind of use of this is late game when people don't want to trade with you anymore. Yep. Um, I guaranteed money. And that, yeah. that is nice. It's right. very nice. Right. Um, and we're going to talk about it maybe a little bit later in the episode as a tech possibility. I will go ahead and say I'm not super hot on it. Yeah. So let's kind of go on from there. Um, Quantum Data Hub Node is the other, and it's the one that, I mean, everybody loves this one. Yeah. Um, everyone... Everyone loves this one. Yeah, I want to throw this out there actually uh, read it real quick and then we will sure So at the end of the strategy phase You may spend one token from your strategy pool and give another player three of your trade goods If you do give one of your strategy cards to that player and take one of his strategy cards now Your brain should be lighting up at the late at the last round potential of this ability I am not going to challenge that right at all, it it will win you games. It will literally be the tech that, like, if I didn't get that, I would have lost. Right, and those stories are out there, and I believe it hundred percent. You can kind of already feel where I'm where we're get gonna now. go. Uh,
0: <laughs> There's a really great quote from Robofish
1: from Robofish, uh,
0: and it's it says this. Um, I rate this as potentially the most powerful faction technology in the game when it works, which is only sometimes. Right. You, the thing about it is. You need quantum data hub node when you are tied for the victory or like about to get your victory and you need that strategy card. The problem with quantum data hub node is because of the three yellow cost of it, it is not something you can take advantage of very often. You're really only going to use it like once or twice because the problem is you're not going to rush for quantum data hub node. It's not very wise to rush for it and... If you do rush for it, I mean, you have to spend three trade goods every time you try to use it. And there's like just lots of ways that it can get counteracted. People won't trade with you if you have
1: quantum data hub node. It costs a lot even from the point that you get it. Like it's like, you're still gonna need to have command counters for it. Let's, I wanna read one thing for you. I wanna read you a different tech that also costs three yellow. So this one is called mirror computing. When you spend trade goods, each trade good is worth two resources or influence instead of one. Now, that is a three yellow tech that I would throw everything out the window to get. Right. Now, think about it. That mirror computing is a one, like, that's three yellow you had to get to get to that wonderful, wonderful ability that you're going to get to use constantly. Yes. It's Hunter's law like you wouldn't believe. Exactly. Quantum Data Hub Node has so many qualifiers that like, I can imagine there's just as many, as many stories as there are people that like, I got it and it won me the game. I bet you there's just as many people out there that got it and, and they never Useless. needed it. And it required them to go all the way down yellow to yep. get. Yep. They had to get Graviton, they had to get Transit Diodes. Right. These are not texts that are, are super important for Hakan.
0: Maybe Transit Diodes is all right. but Just yeah. generally speaking, it's all right, but it doesn't right. do any, it's not doing anything special for Hakan. Right. Um. So again, we'll talk more about Quantum Data Hub Node later. But suffice it to say, we like it, but there are struggles with it. Right. And no way are we saying, don't get it. You should get it if you're able to get it. Right. the problem is there's a time limit to the game. Right. And are are you going to be able to get it? That's really the thing. Yeah.
1: Uh, Let's do one more thing, and that's the promissory note. Uh, The promissory note is called trade convoys. Um, it is an action. Place this card face up in your play area. While this card is in your play area, you may negotiate transactions with players who are not your neighbor. If you activate a system that contains one or more of the Hakan player's units and return this to the Hakan player. I, uh, I'm gonna maybe do a Space Cats, Peace Turtles first and say that I like it and I think you can give it to people
0: yeah. and that it's a good... Yeah, and we used to not say that too. I think we used to be really afraid of this, but I, I actually don't think you're giving up because it's not... Unlike so many other promissory notes, it's not taking any power away from no, you. No, it
1: doesn't take any power away from you. And, and it, it makes it sound like, oh, like, well, then that person's going to be able to negotiate with ever Most of the time, late game, everybody's neighbors anyway. Sure. So it's only really going to make a difference in the early game. And it's not like
0: it makes it where they have more commodities right. all of a sudden. The problem is, Hakan still has six commodities. Right. You're still the best trade partner in the game like that you will still be traded with. You still
1: should have more negotiating power than um your fellow like player. Yeah. It's the and that's like in general what we've been trying to like stress with this. The the problem isn't so much that as a Khan you don't have power over your neighbors. It's that it's
0: that the entire table might yeah. have power over you. Right. So that being said, if you play with a group that is pretty vocal about like we hate Hakan, we will do everything to stop Hakan, I wouldn't give the promissory note out in that situation because they will probably trade with that other person now and not trade with you. Maybe. So and I'm, I'm literally only saying that in the situation where the entire board is obviously battling against you.
1: I mean, I'll, I'll say this though. I think that you got to get what you got to get yeah, out of yeah. it. Like, you
0: might, if this might make your only trade partner all game. Right. You two might both have that ability, but you two might only trade with each other then just because of you both wanting right, trade yeah. more often. Like it makes you two, there's a lot of reason for you two to be partners. And, and especially... Depends on what you're trading for it, right? You're not just giving someone this promissory note. You're getting something in return. So if you're getting the best example is, Hunter, you gave it to Mc... Mentak and Mentak gave you theirs
1: their promise of the, protection so and that MENTAC could not steal from me
0: The two I of you this, became great trade partners, right?
1: And I think this makes a lot of sense uh, for MENTAC to want to do this yeah. trade and for Hakan to want this trade to happen yep. as well
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of other promissory notes out there that Hakan will want it and Giving up trade convoys is a perfectly fine price to pay Because right. they might that might put them further in your camp. It might you might make a buddy
1: now obviously, uh, I think the best like people to want to trade this with are the two commodity races because they're just not going to have that much at the negotiating table anyway. Right. But... If if I'm gonna be conservative all here, I'm gonna say that the four commodity races are the ones that you're maybe gonna want to think about a little bit more. Um, I in particular, Joel NAR with Erez Siphons, yep. I see rack up trade goods so often. Mm-hmm. So maybe you don't need to put that feather in their cap. Now they have a really good pro- racial promissory note too, and if they're willing to trade that for you, then I don't know.
0: I mean, that's a tough call. It's a tough call. I would hesitate though. Yeah. I I think Hakan has a lot to give away. And Jolnar can do a lot with gifts, mm-hmm. and so I think you as Hakon, we'll talk about this more in counters. But I don't think you need to give Jolnar that many inches. I think they're gonna. I think they're go- always going to gain more than you gain. Right. Uh, so they're great. Race. You don't. You don't need Jolnar's help, and Jolnar probably needs your help more than. Right. More than you need theirs. So let's keep moving on. Um, we, we talked about the home system starting tech. Uh, the the best thing about the starting tech is it kind of kind of gives you some good options. Yeah, I mean you're you're kind of wide open as Hakan, especially
1: um, with what we're gonna the tech we're gonna recommend you get uh, round one. You'll be even more open, Um, but yeah, for a race that like a lot of people talk about going PDS with Hakan, which I was never really able to make work. Um, We'll kind of get more down to that. Uh, later, but you're so close to Dreadnought 2. It's crazy
0: how close you are yeah, to Dreadnought closer 2. Closer than not- any other faction, except for Jolnar. I mean, Jolnar's tied right. with you. right? I mean, it is it is crazy yeah, <laughs> that, it, that it, you could so easily get Dreadnought. And, like, you're not a faction that, like, leans that way. He, yeah, like, you don't need Dreadnought 2, like, but yeah. it's just it's just further proof that, like, the power of Dreadnought 2 is, is a little bit out of check. Um, but, Hunter... Let's let's build a map. All right, where does where do we want to go? Where do we want to go with Hakan? Um.
1: So the thing that I really like uh, for Hakan is yellow skips, uh, mostly because while it may sound like I'm kind of dogging on Quantum Data Hub Node a little bit,
0: uh, I still want it. Right. The problem. Something I would like to make work. The The problem with Quantum Data Hub Node is partially the cost of like spending a strategy in three trade goods right but more is the time cost of needing to go all the way down the yellow tech to, tree to get it if you have a yellow tech skip if you can get two yellow tech skips to be able get it yeah then yeah oh oh you should get it you should get it no matter what if to you be have, able to skip graviton to get to transit mm-hmm. diodes and then like quantum like that that That's sounds it. really good yes like um it It becomes more questionable if you have time to get quantum data hub node when you don't have a yellow tech skip. So yellow tech skips are very important, but But, Hunter, would you sacrifice a solid good slice? Let's say the yellow tech skip is in a bad slice. Will you take a yellow tech skip over a solid pie slice? No,
1: because it's such a niche tech that I I can't imagine myself going into the early game and being like, it's going to come down to Quantum
0: Data Hub Node. Like, it's such a specific situation. And here's the other problem with it. It's funny that we're talking so much about it, but we just know people really love it as a Mm -hmm. tech, and people really want us to recommend it. Uh, It's actually not a very good one to get early, because the earlier you start using it, the quicker you're going to get the board to turn against you. Right, because, yeah, if you start using Quantum
1: Data Hub Node, like, in the early game then they know it costs three trade goods. Right. So they're going to start looking at your trade sheet, which they probably are anyways. That's yes. the problem that I keep running into as a con is everybody keeps looking at how much money I have. I wish I could hide it. <laughs> I literally wish I could like get a coffee mug and, and like throw it Put in. it on top of, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, geez. Um, anyways, so I wouldn't say sacrifice um, a solid slice in order to get a yellow skip. Um, I would say also like look at the green skip um, I'm not crazy about production biomes, but I will say this if you can get it early for some reason That's the only really way I see helpful. it. That's the only yeah. way I really see it working out for
0: you Yeah, uh, I want to take this moment to say that one of the hakan games I played I had the the dream scenario And this is like you shouldn't bank on this happening, right? But I had a green tech skip and a yellow tech skip and that is, um, that is amazing right. because I was able to get quantum data hub node and production biomes early. And the benefit of that is production biomes is a guaranteed four trade goods. Yes. So you all you can't not have the trade goods for quantum data hub node. It's amazing. I, was, I was always getting my four, keeping three, and using it on quantum. A- and that is an amazing combo. The problem is in a normal game... That is so far down two trees that you are not really inclined to go down for other, like, I mean, maybe green is okay for you. Regardless, it's so far down two trees. It's not like we can recommend that as an actual strategy, but I do want to point out it happened to me once and it is very, very good. If you have a green and a yellow skip, I recommend doing it because that combo is kind of unstoppable. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I mean, if it's a game where
1: that you can make that work, then the thing the thing about those two texts too is that they lead you down some very Mm non-aggressive like tech trees right like if the idea of you having like green yellow and not like unit upgrades i feel like means like oh you must have been having a game where you didn't you never really needed to move outside of your slice you don't need that two movement on anything really right it's really just hard in general to play a game where you don't have any blue, really, yeah. or any unit
0: upgrades that you get from blue. Like, it's just hard it to make tricky. that work. And and you start so close to blue, it's hard to say, you start right next to Dreadnought 2, but instead, you should go down yellow and green. Like, right. it's just, that's the problem. They're They're... The fact that they have so many options is actually what kind of makes them difficult to play because picking the right choice, you need to like really pay attention to the game and know what that direction is. And then is. if you want to go down the PDS route, you got to throw a red in there right. too. Like that's, that's the, yeah, it's that's, just, it's madness. So let's talk about strategy cards. We built our map. We got a, just a good slice. Hopefully there's a yellow skip. Yeah. Maybe there's a green. Yeah. Whatever. So
1: round one strategy card, what you're going to want to pick is diplomacy oh my god it's really, good. really yeah you pick that oh wait no sorry did i say diplomacy i meant imperial and the oh, thing that you yes. do with imperial you rush for mechatol right and then you get all the points and you flip it and then the game's out Win. Yeah. no guys uh you pick trade all right because that's <laughs> what you will do many many times as hakan you pick trade uh i think mostly because like we've kind of already said in this episode already um, if you don't pick trade, a lot of times the table might be okay with not picking trade. Yeah. It's not I think the like the only Domar. people
0: Like Arborek is one of the only other factions I can think they're, of that's yeah, like they're, they're going to take trade. And most also, people are not going to battle you over trade.
1: Also, when you have, like we defined in part one, when you have the trade
0: strategy card, you have a lot yeah. of negotiating especially power. Especially round like, one. Yeah. Especially. Round one, you need trade because that's when you have the most power. Right. Nobody is going to be neighbors with each other. You need to capitalize on this opportunity. And I found in general that. I am...
1: Best getting trade early in the game rather right. than late in the game because
0: later in the game People don't want to trade with you as much. Yeah, like basically, they don't want to trade with anybody as right much. late right. in the game People start to shut up right but in the beginning in the first three rounds of the game Usually lots of things can happen people are easier to convince think about it like this It's like a timer like yep. when the second you start
1: playing a game as a You set the timer and there is a point where the table is gonna be done with you yes. And they do- gonna to want to talk to you anymore So I'm gonna say this early game playing as a con you want to take trade i'm not even just saying round one i'm saying like the early game in general you are trying to get trade as much as possible and you're trying to make as much money as possible every time you play it and you are not spending all of that money in the round god forbid you
0: do that you bank those trade goods so what if what if we someone's blocking us people are running hard against the con what do we take
1: Politics. It's the classic... Yeah,
0: like, we need trade. Basically, where we've gotten to in these strategy guides, I feel I mean, like, is yeah. there's well, the, the problem, best strategy the, the card, is, and then there's politics. Yeah, because politics is a good card in its own right, right. and then it gets, sets you up for the next round. But but especially Hakan, you lean so heavily on trade that, yeah, I agree with this. And completely. also, don't
1: forget that you can trade action cards. So, when you take politics like it's great because you are getting ahead on that action yep. card game. Yep. You're probably going to be able to sell some of those action cards. And in general, you're just going to want to like, I mean, we've talked about the potential of selling a sabotage for support for the throne. I was not able to hook that up in the game we played earlier today, but I was close at times. Yeah. There was a moment where you made the offer. And I was I didn't ready do to it. do it. Yeah. Yeah. I was ready to do it. Right.
0: Uh, what secondaries are we doing?
1: Um, the w- only one I feel like you definitely got to do is tech, obviously. Yeah. Um, I didn't Warfare Secondary a lot as a con. I think it's just because you have... You start 2C4i. Yeah, 2C4i don't need it. Right. Um, in a lot of situations, I haven't had, like, a need to go, like, to build another carrier that's going to get to take something that turn. That doesn't yeah. really happen. Right. And we're not recommending that you ever take Warfare Round 1, unless it's, like, the juiciest of reasons. Right. But, like, you really do want to prioritize tech or trade as much as possible, um, so yeah, I'm thinking tech secondary
0: and bank, a, bank a command counter. Yeah. Why? You don't have to spend, this is something that, uh, especially newer players, I think have trouble understanding, especially cause like if it's your first game, you're ready to do stuff in twilight imperium. And it's hard to convince someone like, Hey, just don't do stuff. Right. Cause people don't fully understand the com- command counter economy right away and so they don't realize like oh i'm gonna get a lot less back and the next round's gonna be in a lot of trouble so if you're newer it is okay to like only s- use some of your command counters and save some for round two you you can sometimes ex like excel because you had a way more solid around two than a lot of factions are able to do because yeah. most people starve themselves of command counters so this is a wonderful opportunity of like you don't have to do the secondary of warfare um or you don't you know y- you can spend one less command counter than everybody else you can afford to right And it's fine right
1: um and i think in general when when i play hakan round one i try and pop trade asap yeah uh, mostly because i don't want anybody establishing neighboring relations with each other right um early you want be- to be the I, only option yeah i want it to literally be like if it's round one and i got trade it's like you're trading with me or nothing yeah. is happening yeah. with you there's another important reason too and right. it's how many resources do you right. have in your you home start system? with three resources so yeah. that means that if somebody
0: pops tech Turn one, you don't have enough money to pay for the tax. Yeah, so you need to pop trade first because you just need to be prepared to have the money. Right. Um, now, we said in last week that your goal is basically to get nine or more trade goods. Right. You get three from trade. You have six that you should be able to somehow flip. So let's just work with the assumption that you got nine trade goods and you have three resources in your home system. Hunter, round one, what are we doing with our $12? Well, what I like to do is I like to spend my home
1: system... On units in general, I always end up buying a dreadnought. It's three plus Sarween probably probably gonna get dreadnought too What's nice about the dreadnought is that early you have a pretty uh, Defensible position you've you've got a cruiser that you could send to an equidistant planet to like block um, And if you pop that dreadnought down there, you're not gonna You're probably not gonna have to deal with any like weird shenanigans Basically, you maybe want to leave like a fighter or two in your home system And then you're probably you're probably good Um, the other thing I would say is for trade goods on, for trade goods on tech, um, for, uh, neural neural motivator, I feel like is the best round one tech
0: for Hakan with a bullet. Yeah. The, the, I'm not even calling this an exception, but like, if you know, you need gravity drive because of whatever that reason could potentially be. There's a case for gravity drive, but I think we both want to convince you to not. <laughs> and go, yeah. for, go for Neural. Neural is worth it. It's super worth it round one. And like we stressed last episode, action cards are an extra resource for you to trade with. And again, you're doing all of your trading early. Right. So you want as many action cards right away as you can get so that you have lots of things to trade away so that you can make as much money as fast as possible. Right, right. Hunter, we have five trade goods left over. What are we doing? Um, I say bank them. I say bank them for so many reasons.
1: Here's uh, the first most obvious reason is if you've got five trade goods sitting, um, if you end up wanting to turn this into a Mechatol run, which I was actually never really able to pull off as mm-hmm. a con, um, you can, that you're gonna need one influence and you, you've got it. Yeah. And I'm not even saying you need to spend the trade goods on it. I'm saying you could have a normal round two where you spend all of your planets and then you could still turn around and be like, you know what? I'm going for Mechatol, they didn't yeah. get it. Right. I can go for it. Right. Um, And it's good to just have that in your back pocket. The other thing is the stage one VP is five trade goods. So you got that in your back pocket too.
0: Always Um, ready for that.
1: The other thing too is like banking trade goods in general just means that later on, there's a very good chance that certain VPs are going to come out and you're going to be ready for them. You're already going to have them claimed. Um, If you don't, the problem is that when a resource or influence or trade good thing pops up,
0: all of a sudden everybody looks at you and they're not going to let you get yeah. that money, right. basically. Right. The We used to have a fear of banking trade goods because it really, I don't remember all of the things, but in TI3, it seemed like there were many things that just made you lose a bunch of trade goods. Right. Uh, and the more we've dug through everything, there's really almost nothing in TI4. There's like one agenda that can maybe make you lose trade goods. So... In general, for all factions, banking trade goods is, like, never that bad of an idea. Yeah. Use them when you need them. Otherwise, hold on to them because it might be worth a victory point. It's literally one agenda that you have to look out right. for. That's
1: it. And, I mean, if it comes up, it's going to hurt you because you're probably going to have... You're probably going to be the only
0: one with trade goods. Yeah. So, it'll be tough. Yeah. But, um, do we want to talk mid-game? I do. Yeah. So, the... The mid game is an interesting conversation because we basically the entire last episode was kind of functionally talking about mid game and trading and stuff like that. But let's keep going forward on the like, let's assume we're banking lots of trade goods for objectives, getting units when we need them. We're not saying like, don't build an army. It's like, you know, keep up to pace with other factions. But try you, you should be making much more money than everyone else. And you shouldn't just blow that all on units because units does not always translate to victory points but yeah trade goods can directly translate to uh victory points you so- should definitely build a little as you go yeah. because one of the
1: limitations that you have as a con is that you have one of the worst um like production limits yeah. of any race yep. with your one space stock on uh, a two zero yep. planet that is four plastic you can do yeah every turn so right. i mean or every round um so i will say at some point you are probably going to need to do the secondary of construction and throw down that uh second space dock i'm sad to say it used to be my favorite thing to do as a con was to build was to triple dock was to throw three space docks down in my home system and i'm sad to say but like the way the economy shakes out in ti4 like i'm i probably would never suggest that construction is a strategy card that you're going to be able to get unless it's like
0: the, of the utmost importance. Right. like your secret objectives are literally... Three, oh, I should take... Yeah. But even then, three space docks in your home system, it's just not as good as it used to be because, yeah, it's slower to get space docks out, sort of. Right. Or at least kind of, like, more costly. You're giving... It used to just be four resources. You get a space dock down. Great. It might right. take a couple rounds for it to become a thing you're actually producing out of, but now the fact that you have to take a objectively kind of bad strategy card to do it, the the costs are pretty high, and... Even more so, none of your home planets are that good and there's a, it just feels like there's more reasons nowadays to have forward docks. Right. You need you want to dock getting close to Mechatol or mm-hmm. or protecting another area outside of your home system. I just think in general um, if you're forcing yourself to build three space docks, it, it's not as good anymore to triple dock. Consider it, maybe it works for you cuz the advantage there is if you triple dock your home system you, build, you can build a lot out of it once, but you have to have the rest of the game work in that favor too, right? You need lots of fleet supply. You right. need all these other things. Right. And those things don't end up adding up the way they did in TI3. Right. So Yeah, it's just the econ- The economy of the game is different.
1: Um, you don't get consistent trade goods throughout the entire game anymore. Yeah. So because of that, certain things have to be adjusted. I mean, I think now I've gotten to a point where I built a little bit Every round, that's yep. what I did. I just kind of slowly accumulated a fleet right. instead of like in Ti three. It used to be I would just like turn around and boom. Yeah, here's all my slip. dreadnoughts. And in fact, in that play of the week that we had last
0: week, yep. that was that's a story about did. a Hakan turning around. But that was from building Ti three. But that was <laughs> Ti
1: three. <laughs> yep. It was not Ti four. Yeah.
0: um Okay. So last week we talked so much about what you're trading for. So let, let's kind of hit the the highlights of what we're trying to do with trade goods and promissory notes and action cards like what is just kind of the end goal of we're, all of these resources we have at our disposal
1: we're trying to build up a sizable bank of trade goods so that we can go into the stage 2 public objectives and be able to fulfill those resource those yep. influence ones and the trade good ones without like having to break our, break our bank because that's when that's how you're really going to win us a con is those stage 2 resource style objectives cost like, it'll like, it, it'll basically make a, a player have to do nothing yep. for an entire round. Like, oh, I got to spend all my resources. Right. And if not you. you <laughs> right. Not you. You get to have a normal round when they're having a crazy round. Yes. Or alternatively, and this is actually what happens to me more often, if things start going south for you, you will still be able to fulfill objectives because you have this bank of trade
0: yes. goods. Yeah. It's your, it's your insurance policy. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you're trying to sell your non-trade good stuff for trade goods. You're just trying to make money. Right. I mean, you're selling promissory notes. You're selling action cards. You're buying action cards to sell them later to someone else for a higher profit. Like, you are playing banker. Right. I mean, you really you're really just trying to gain as many trade goods as
1: possible. You can also, like, use your action cards. We didn't talk about this enough, I feel like, in part one. But you can also, in the mid-game, use your action cards a lot to just kind of influence the board shape yeah. a little bit. There was a point where, in the game we were playing today, where you had Mechatol. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I just, you had the lead. And I was like, I could really help this other player just unseat you. Mm-hmm. And it really didn't cost me anything. Um, it didn't end up working. Uh, right. because of other action card stuff. But it, it that's what's really cool about Hakan is sometimes you can get involved in basically anything. Yeah, like you can just
0: influence events. Because you can always trade with anybody, again, we we said this last week, but you can get involved in any scenario. Right. Any fight that's about to happen, anything that's about to happen, you can always just like, hey, do you want an extra push or do you want me to help you prevent that from happening? And you can just like look for so many opportunities to make money where no other faction can get in there, right? Um. All right, let's talk about stuff we didn't talk about last week. Right. Let's talk tech path. Yes, tech path. Uh, I think this is the big, the big question mark for lots of people. Um. We are we are afraid of quantum data hub node a little bit. We're we're not saying rush for it. So what is the path? We got neural first. So now we have one blue, one yellow, one green. Right. That's weird.
1: Yeah, it is weird. That's the, see, that's what I don't like about it. Um. Is it feels like for the tech VPs you have like all these interesting options, but they don't necessarily all flow together with um, the tech objectives. So I'm gonna say you go after Neural and then you get Gravity Drive. And from there, you're either gonna go towards the obvious unit upgrades that that leads to, things like Dread 2, Carrier 2, Fighter 2, Mm -hmm. or you're going to then go for Daxiv or Graviton, depending on whether you want to go for Quantum Data Hub Node or Production. if you just want, you know, if like I could see, I, I've gone for Daxiv because I would be in a game and I would feel like this is going to be more immediately useful to me. Whereas I I was like more, I'm just going to forsake quantum data hub node
0: for now. Right. Um, yeah. The real struggle of it is, uh, hey everybody, infantry two is, is very good. Really crazy good. I cannot express to you enough how good it is. Um, more and more factions, I'm just, like, auto-getting it, and I have rarely regretted doing it. Right, that's that's insurance, isn't
1: Infantry 2. So
0: so I know it's weird to say, like, you start with a blue and a yellow, go green, but there are lots of games where you need good ground forces and you need to take stuff and you need to hold it. That's not to say we're not recommending Dread 2, because we totally are, but the problem here is you actually, once you get gravity drive, you need to stop and you need to look... And you, we can't give a solid recommendation. There's so many different
1: ways you could go, but uh, how about this? How about we actually just talk about what we're not recommending? Yes, I like that. Um, I am not really saying any red. Nope. Uh, I feel like it's too many. It's too many colors to recommend to go down at yep. one time, um, unless you end up taking
0: tech a lot in the mid game. Um, which we don't not, advise we, because you want to be taking trade. Right. Here's the big problem. In in this discussion and in the same thing, because you're you're saying no red, which means you're also kind of saying no pds too. Right. Um, and the reason for it is you don't have time to play construction a bunch to get a bunch of PDS right. down. You don't have time to play tech a bunch to really race down tech trees. You are getting trade so often because that's where your strength is. That you don't have time to do these other things. So you have to do whatever uses your money the most efficiently. Right.
1: Trade synergizes a lot better. If you're picking trade a lot, you can build fleets. Yep. That's that's something easy to spend your money on. And you could potentially throw down another space dock off of the secondary of construction. And then have like a good, you know, production center and easily throw money at trade and then also still keep up with tech right if we tell you to take construction well now you're keeping up with that and kind of only that because a hakan without that money isn't going to be able to do all of those right. things you can it's like if you take trade you can basically ensure all right i'm gonna have fleets and i'm gonna have tech you take
0: construction and all we can ensure that was what we're gonna have pds right basically right if you take trade every time you get to be a jack of all trades and if you don't take trade to do other goals, you are specializing on those goals and foregoing the other options. And you've just given up the kind of wide amount of room that you typically have as Hakon. So play think, the room. I think the only way that PDS2 would be viable...
1: Um, and I'm willing to I'm willing to talk more about this if if this becomes like a thorn in my side. Basically, sure. Um, I think in order for P- PDS two to work, you're pro- you're gonna have to take plasma scoring round one, yeah. and that means you didn't get neural round one, which, which means that you don't have this like steady stream of action cards in your hand that you can trade with. So now there's a whole part of your race's ability that you're not getting to use, and yeah. I can't imagine. A game going well for me and with hakan where i did not have that ability because once you get shut out um in of the trade game in like the mid to late the action card thing is the only thing you can really work anymore because
0: people will always have to say yes to action cards yeah so it it is just it just seems better to recommend kind of staying shallow what else are we not recommending really um deep blue no not really you don't need fleet logistics and light wave you're not pulling off fancy shenanigans
1: no like that's like i feel like you need you need a steady fleet that's good that's solid uh but you don't like and i mean it's it's always weird to say don't get light wave because there's always going to be games where you could where you could have gotten light (laughs) wave um i just don't feel like they're that type of of race. I felt like I was always using my fleets uh very like either just to make sure that no one could invade me, yeah, or to like strike out in a very um a very like I would I would like send carriers out by themselves just to take a planet and just know like I'm Hakan. If you destroy that, no big yeah you know I can, what I, mean? I can
0: spend four trade goods again later. Right, right. Uh yeah and I think the point there too is Hakan isn't ghosts and they're not sar and they're right. not Yin like you you are playing the late game you're mm-hmm. hoping that banking your trade goods will pay off for you so you're playing this kind of slow I don't call it turtling because turtling would involve building up these massive defenses but it's more Playing the options, seeing where the objectives go, and see waiting to spend your money until you know what you should be spending your money on. Right. You have the you have the option to do that, and most factions don't have the option to do that. Most right. factions don't get to just like, I can hold on to this money and wait and see what I'm supposed to spend it on. A lot of factions just have to like, I'm picking this route and I boy, I hope it works out for me. Hakan can can constantly wait and see. And you should be doing that as You should wait and see. Wait and see. Wait and see. Another
1: unit upgrade I want to talk about that I would actually recommend is also space dock two. Um, yeah. Like I said, they have a production problem. Uh, if you can maybe just be like, I'm not gonna. I the the. The, th- the problem with construction, too, is generally the secondary doesn't come up in a very opportune moment. People yeah. are generally good about flipping it at a time where it's like, this wouldn't be good for me to do right now. Um, so if you're running into that problem, I've gotten Space Dock 2 as a con several times now, and I can recommend it. The other thing I think that's crazy that we're not bringing up that I think people will be upset about is that we're not really saying War Sun cats. Like, yeah. that's not the type of kitties that we're really
0: because the theory is you have a lot of money you can afford war sons but boy red tech just plasma scoring not really good for you right magen not good for anyone no. ever duranium armor not even that great not, for not you not good if you don't already have a dreadnought fleet. right like and dreadnought two is better than having duranium armor right and then okay we finally got war sons the problem with war sons is they're always too little too late right uh and you would have to gun for that again this is a situation of you would be picking War Suns early and heading for it and foregoing a lot of other options. Whereas you can just get the, the safe tech options and wait
1: and see. And see, that's the thing is I'm not recommending that you be this type of cat that that basically is just like, I'm getting a lot of money and I'm spending it on these nope. massive fleets. Right. Like War Sun is essentially saying like, well, I'm going to have enough money in the late game to buy War Suns. You might not. Maybe you won't. I'm saying, like, let the trade goods be, like, your backup. Exactly. Play, like, a normal game where you have these trade goods that are essentially saying, like, I'm getting the VP no matter what, and you can't do anything to stop it. And that's why, in the end, I didn't even want to. i got to be honest. Like, the whole time, the the reason this guy took so long is because I was like, I don't want to be another, hey, you should go Dread 2, like, yeah. We say like, that about God. so many things. Yeah, like I, I did not. I wanted to make an argument for like a really cool style of con, mm-hmm. but in the end, I ended up feeling like what makes more sense is to like go with what's pretty obvious unit upgrade wise. Yep. The, the classic good stuff: Dread Two, Carrier Two, Fighter Two, yep. like Infantry Two, even. And then just let those trade goods be your
0: backup. Yep. Yeah. Again, I, I, I the tagline for this keeps i didn't think about this beforehand but it's wait and see at every level i mean it's just hold out because you can hold out you have you have that option and most factions don't um we always ask this for some stupid reason should you be running out of command counters is that a problem do they have a command counter problem
1: um i don't think they do because they are a green race they're great they're a race that i mean i would say that they are yellow blue and green uh, (laughs) yeah a little bit of almost all of it but all three Um, yeah but uh, hyper metabolism is not a weird get for them. I think you would probably get it mid game, which I think for a lot of people makes them feel like why even get it then. Right. Um, but you could still get it. And then like I got it today and felt like, oh, well in the late game, this is really helping me out. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that you should be having a CC problem because if it gets really out of whack, um, you can always spend trade goods on CCs, which I know isn't the best, yeah. Um, the best
0: world to live in. But you in. can, f- you, it's not that you're spending three trade goods on a command no. counter. It's that oh, I have a zero two or a one two and I don't have any other planets that are good to tap. Right. But I could throw, a, I can throw a trade good in there. Right. And that you can usually afford one command counter. you can pretty effi- efficiently
1: um like take your your planets and then get the most out of them yeah. that's something that's cool that you can do with the con because right. you always have trade goods.
0: Right. so uh what could have gone wrong for us early game what could have like really jacked up our mid game
1: well um it's funny that i just said you always have trade goods because <laughs> that might not be true um maybe the table is shutting you out maybe you're not able to pick trade yeah, for very good you. reasons right yeah, either someone else is taking it and they're shutting you out or your secret objectives are telling you to do something yep. else. And it then happens. It, 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 happens. it just happens. And and if that happens, then I feel bad for you because I think in a lot of, in a lot of games, this is at least true. Um, if you don't take trade, then people are probably going to be like, no, nah, I'm not gonna. Yep. The problem is that you kind of like even when other people take trade, you still have like A really good footing so i can see like being in that position and being like i'm not gonna take trade and then have to contend with a con and not even have like an easy time out of getting my trades done and
0: here's what i'll say if if this is happening to you if they're turning on Hakan, you just gotta keep buttering them up i mean yeah don't don't be be the, the bad guy right be a be a good guy get people's i mean make a couple make a couple of like unfavorable trades for you to just show good faith to someone. Like get mm-hmm. one person on your side because if, if that's what's happening to you, if you're getting shut out, you need to turn a couple people and you need to get people to realize, actually, man, I can u- I can use Hakan to make right. a lot of money. Right. And that's when you get your foot in the door and then you can slowly turn things around. It's a hard, that's a really tricky uh, problem to solve, honestly, like right. us suggesting this, all of our advice is just kind of like, ooh, give them, make kissy faces at people and right. uh, give them a back rub. Like there isn't a good way to just like, fix the meta for you, right? There's there's nothing... It's the same problem as... How do I get... As as S.A.R., how do I keep someone from reactor meltdowning my space dock? Right, you can't. And the answer it's is, like, happen. no, you, you don't have an upper hand there. How do I get people to prevent me from getting to mechatol's Winu? He, i mean you i don't. think hakan is interesting because of the action card thing the more knowledge you have
1: of and the more yeah. the other players have knowledge of like what action cards they need to be afraid of and what they need to be looking they'll out know for. when to pay you like i mean if if i had a star in my game you know that round one where they get all those trade those trade goods if i had a sabotage was it, here we go if i had a sabotage right. like look how crazy this is getting yep um I would be like, hey, I like you want to buy this sabotage for me so that you don't get reactor meltdown later? Right. I feel like an experienced group would be like, oh, actually, that's, that's logical. Pretty, yeah. Or like if you have, you know, if somebody Rise gets the Messiah, oh, yeah. and they're like,
0: oh, I don't want this sabotaged. You know, it's like, okay, well, I'll sell you one. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, you need to, I agree with that. You need to, because it's a meta-dependent thing, you got to know a lot about the game to have a solid Hakon. Right. That, that's the funny, that's the funny uh, line graph with Hakon With an all new group, Hakan's going to do really well because right. people aren't going to play against Hakan. Right, like with with a brand new group, all six of you are new. Hakan's probably going to excel. Right, with a medium group that's like pushing it against Hakan, but doesn't really understand what Hakon can do for them. Hakan sucks, does really poorly because people are just like, "Nope, I hate you, go away." Right and then you hit the like really high level of everyone knows every action card and every agenda right. and everyone knows what they're looking for Hakan is able to step in the door and be like I can offer you the tools that you need right and because then, they understand it, the the trades that you're that, that that it's actually a good trade yes basically. yeah. and that that's the difficulty of Hakan that's why we had so much trouble with this episode is we don't know where every player is at in that line graph mm-hmm. you, you there there are two Hakans that do pretty well and there's one Hakan that Really poops his pants. Just I mean can't it's it's so hard it and that happened for we had like that moment even for us like in our Experience early the first game we had with Hakan It was like oh my gosh Hakan's running away with it right the next game We played with Hakon, It was like don't let him do anything Right, and right. it was a terrible game for Hakon. and then we've now hit this weird middle ground
1: right and will I mean I'll say this though uh, regardless I think consistently it is very hard to negotiate as Hakan late game yes for that like when you're essentially asking for trades for vps it's people hard to keep it. that up yeah people won't do it um people won't do it at least like it becomes this weird game where you have to give someone a vp in yep. order for them to give you a vp yep. and that starts feeling like i had to do it's that weird. earlier yeah, really like weird. in the game and it and I, I didn't like it and it wasn't i don't know it was a bummer you make a lot of weird choices on. uh hunter who do we counter i don't know like i think there's just some weird relationships that Hakon yes. has. I don't. This know if another they one of really those counter. This is another anybody. one of those
0: factions that doesn't have any. Again, all of your abilities are purely meta-dependent, and so it's like, how do you say a meta strategy counters someone? Right. It just right. it just doesn't. Um, but does anybody counter us?
1: Well, I think tech can obviously be a thorn in your side. Um, if there's a Mentak that it has mirror computing and just wants to steal trade goods from you, uh, that that. That's not going to be fun. Yeah. And also, Mentec is a is more of a combat-leaning race than you. So, right. like, technically, uh, if they're doing well economically, they can probably shut you down. They've got pre-fryer on their cruisers. Right. They're, we've seen PDS Mentec again and again. So it could be a case where, like, they're my neighbor, they have adjacency, and I cannot get rid of them, and right. they won't give me promise of protection. Now, that being said... I think that there is a very good reason
0: for the two of you to trade your racial promissories. Yeah. And you you two can have, that's what's so interesting about uh, your relationship with Mentech is they can really hurt you, but there are lots of reasons for them to, for them to work with you. Right. And you, and you should try to capitalize on those kind of as fast as possible and establish a relationship because, um, you, you can make a partner out of Mentech. Uh, out of Mentak, and I think it is in Mentak's interest. It is also in Mentak's interest to, like, hurt you if they're directly adjacent to you and, like, the pie slice is shaped just right. They can do that, but I think more often the two of you can can help each other so it's sort of you like definitely don't want to be neighbors though no being that, that a neighbor sucks. with a
1: Mentec is gonna make things really difficult yeah why uh
0: is there any other counters i'll say this I'll,
1: I'll say this there um isaral did something really crummy to me today yeah. and it made me realize that there is an isaral problem that you might have to deal with um, because you're hakan you're gonna want to advertise your action cards yep um isaral uh, is very interested in having as many action cards as possible, which normally means, like, oh, they could be like a good trade partner. But Isar also has Magian um, implants. They can look at your
0: hand and steal cards from you. Yeah, so if you're advertising all of your action cards, usually there's a gamble with Magian implants. Uh, and that gamble is, I gotta pick the right person. I don't know right. what they have yet. But if Hakan has been like, I gotta sabotage, who wants it? I got. I got plague, who wants it? then every time a can just be like well i know they've got at least one good card right right you're the person i'm Magee on,
1: and don't think i'm a dingus uh because the sorrow i was playing with didn't have magian implants when i was doing this i would not be such a doobie <laughs> to like advertise the card knowing that a sorrow right. can steal from me but a then had an action card called spy that just let them do yeah, that and the second they did that i realized like If they got Majin, that would have just been the same thing too. And yeah, it was, it was rough to realize.
0: So they, they can mess up your metagame. Yeah. Um, But Asarl is also an honorable mention because, again, the two of you can have a really fun, interesting relationship. They've got, they want skips. They want your, your junk more than any other faction. They just want to take your junk from you.
1: You should be able, they're a three commodity race. You should be able to keep them like pretty, pretty fat and happy. And they should be able to keep you pretty fat and happy.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Barony Aletnev. What about that Barony them? Aletnev uh, could use your trade goods, really. Yeah. I think a lot nobody of Nobody likes it's... to trade with Barony. Right. Nobody does. But... And you pro, you probably have room to. Pretty <laughs> yeah. To. The,
1: I mean, the thing is, like, if in general what we're saying holds true, there's going to be a lot of games where you come to the table as a con and people are not going to want to trade with you anymore. And sometimes that means you have to look at the undesirables, like yes. the people that you don't want to trade with
0: normally. And Barony is kind of that yeah. number one. Yeah. Like, I'll say this, if Barony's like across the table from you, I, I'm not opposed to funding their war effort. Right. Help them crush two other people. As long as there's a way to keep them in check. I mean, that's the, that's the fear is if you're funding Barony and they start to run away with it, uh-oh, you just contributed to your own downfall. But right. there, there is room for fund Barony, maybe fund their neighbor too. Like just like give yeah, both know. of them, th- there's a relationship there is the biggest point. And I'll, they'll, I'll they will come, they'll come crying to you. What's they'll good come about back Barony is that they don't need that many of your trade goods. No, exactly. That's happy. that's kind of my thing is you get to scrape a little bit off the top. Right. You're doing your normal trades getting some good money and it's like oh yeah barony here here you go let's do an even two for two or maybe a little bit better let's get some promissory notes moving around there, there are options there
1: and i'm gonna say this uh don't give Nar an inch
0: yeah don't they don't need it no they
1: don't need it they are they're gonna come
0: to you with really good stuff and good options and it's gonna be enticing um that that promissory note is no joke Yeah, especially for you. I mean, if they're if they're going to get it and then get transit like that's a yellow skip, like they can effectively give you yellow skips that get you closer to quantum. That is a huge deal. Uh, But don't take it too far because they're going to get e res siphons and they're going to make a lot of money and they're going to they're going to get past you. I could see situations where trading racials with Jolnar is okay, but what I'll say
1: this is never in the early game. No. Because the thing is, imagine this, a, a Jolnar with your racial, the the ability to trade with anyone, they can start taking the trade strategy card, and they don't have the disadvantage that you have. Right? Like, someone else will take tech for them. Now, they are for commodity race. They're able to trade with anybody. Yep. They've got
0: money. They've got tech going out the wazoo. Now they can trade that promissory note with any faction at the table? Oh my gosh. It's, it's just terrifying. There are so many things that are not... Uh, there's so many reasons just not to give Jolnar an inch. And, and I highly recommend you, you don't. And, and the only reason I would is if it's like a turn one, you know, they're going to get transit diodes mm-hmm. and you can get something out of it. That, that would be like the one deal I make with Jolnar all game. And be careful with soul too. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to be throwing
1: like money at soul if they're going to pull that, that mechatol play yep. that they go for, yep. you know, like
0: you are, you are a top race and you don't need to be... F- fueling the other top factions. Like, you just don't need to. You, 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 you... You can run away with it if you're the only top dog right. or top cat in the game. <laughs> yeah, hit up the races that we've talked
1: about, like in this in these strategy guides, as being like having a difficult time. Like we've talked about a lot of races that, that like, man, you really need some trade goods round one, right? The, the hit them. Those up. are the ones. Winu Yin, your, your, your Sardax, your Embers yes. Amuat. Like, they are
0: ready for your help, and
1: they will give you a lot. And they for need it. your help. That's yeah. the thing is, they need your help. Go after them. Don't help the races that are like already are gonna run away. I mean, with unless it. you're just stuck, because that's the thing is like sometimes you're the one that this, needs the help, <laughs> right? Everything with this race can turn in on itself. Yeah.
0: All right, Hunter. Despite things turning in on itself, what makes us a superpower?
1: <laughs> um, having money when it matters. To, when it matters is fantastic. Um, Quantum data hub node. When you have the money for it, yep, is. The, that play is amazing. And nobody else gets to do anything like nope. that. Yeah. To that extent, you, public you, disgrace and then th- this, basically. Yeah,
0: yeah. You do need Quantum Data Hub Node, but it is so difficult for us to say, you have to get it every time and you get yeah. it as fast as possible. Yeah. You need to hopefully set yourself up in a situation where round five, you can get Quantum Data Hub Node and round six, win the game. Right, That's your goal. Right, And that works quite a lot. Right. But you don't need quantum data hub node round three because that's gonna actually spell disaster for you more right. often than anything else. Um, so where where are we looking for our victory? We we have a lot of money. Maybe we have quantum data hub node. What do like? How are we actually making this a strategy that wins us games? So early in the in the early and mid game,
1: we are gonna make as much money as possible. We are gonna bank trade goods um we're going to take the the strategy card often we're going to negotiate good trades for ourselves and we're going to be frugal actually with our spending we're not going to just go wild every round pumping out giant fleets and being super aggressive we're going to bank those trade goods we're going to have them as our little insurance policy and then when we get to the late
0: game and people start getting uncomfortable with us it's going to be too late essentially right you got a lot of money already. You made such good deals early that people were like, I don't want to trade with Hakan, but man, what they're offering me is so juicy. I just got to take it. Right. And that gives you success in the late game when you need it. Right. And that's it. I mean, that it, it is... And quantum data, data and, hub and, node. and then also quantum data <laughs> hub node. Um, it is, it's so funny how it can be the easiest faction in the world to win with. And it can be one of the trickiest games of your ti experience there's
1: not there see the thing is there's a lot of races that are like overall are not very good Mm -hmm. and then like every once in a while everything clicks for them and they're just awesome they get a lucky game this is like the inverse of that this is like a a race that that everything on paper is like this race should be very very good yeah but the variance when hakan we've seen some nasty Mm hakan losses and we've seen hakan run away with it and we hear stories of that level of variance yep. too
0: we hear people in groups where Hakan is a force to be reckoned yes. with so here's here's i think the biggest te- takeaway from our Hakan episode for you if you play with a group consistently learn how they're going to play against Hakan and you can do a lot. If you know they're gonna go easy, you know what you can do. You know you can make a lot of money and you can do really well. If you know they're gonna be hard on you, then you gotta play that. You gotta play against that. You gotta learn what you need to offer. You cannot play a good Hakan without knowing what your group is if you're gonna go play with strangers those first two rounds are tester rounds You right. gotta you gotta talk to everybody and learn what they like what they don't like what kind of deals They want to see what their feelings towards you are you have to meta game like you wouldn't believe right There's no faction that relies on learning their opponents more than the hakan
1: I think that's kind of the folly of this whole thing and I I hope you uh everyone listening I hope everyone got as much out of this as is possible. I think that last point is probably the most important, though. Hakan is so very dependent yep. on the group. Yep. Um, I can even... I mean, just now thinking about it, it's like if, if I was in a group where I didn't feel like I had to take trade every time. Yeah. If I felt like I could make consistent willing, money. And I've
0: seen that in Hakan. I've seen it in completely different groups, separate of us. I've right. seen groups where... Hakan very rarely took trade because other people would take trade and would go to Hakon first. They were so ready right, to trade right. with Hakon and do the same deals Hakan would have done anyway. Right, right. And you you get that. And when you get that, it's a completely different faction. God, and then
1: I could take tech and construction exactly. and build PDS and play this like very defensive right. Hakon, which is what I wanted to play, and get quantum data hub yeah. node.
0: So remember, we are recommend this strategy guide is coming from that perspective of we're planning for the worst. Right. But when it's the best. I mean, there's not even that much to suggest. Like, run away with it. Get all the tech you need. Get Quantum Data Hub Node. You're going to get it all, and, and you're going to do great. Uh,
1: Honestly, the only thing I stand by in this entire guide is uh, get neural neural's good yeah get neural first. that's pretty much it yeah like if you could probably just filter out all the other stuff
0: because like general and then just play Hakann. neural
1: yeah neural's good for hakan i think I, I think i'm down to stand by that i wouldn't even maybe even if somebody was like no nah, not
0: round one i want to get this other yeah. thing round one next week the errata for this episode is going to just be so interesting because it's going to be people being like you are completely wrong that this 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 has worked for me every single time and right. we're just going to be like i bet it did and yeah. you're right and yep Cool. <laughs> this is
1: like, this is like, you know how Ghost of Creus, there's like this wild variance yes. of like stuff that can happen. It's like if Ghost of Creus had a wild variance of like good things. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it's like, it's, it's a wild variance of things that went well in a lot of different directions. Yep. Uh, and then like nothing, I don't, I don't know, I just feel like nothing is solid. Yes. Like yeah. I wish they had an advantage like Jolnar. Like right. Jolnar is such a good foil to them because it's like, here is a, here is a faction that just gets to do this right. they always get to do yeah. this and it's not doesn't always change. get to do it no they don't well um
0: we got we got one more we got yeah. one more to go yeah next week hopefully next week we're doing what have we done extra yet yeah we're gonna do extra again uh we oh, did extra we, already did we did it once we did it once we're gonna do it them again we're gonna do two weeks from now um no you're right there's one we're missing i'm not sure so there's 16 races right that's right and this is our no we're done Oh yeah, we did it all. We're done! We did them all. We huh. did all the factions. There's not really any other factions we gotta do. That's really great. Huh. I'm so proud of us. Hmm. That's interesting. This was fun. I swear. Oh, is it over? It's over. <laughs> Show's over. Show's <laughs> over now. We did it. We did all of it. We did all the Thanks everyone for joining Space Cats t- Peace We're gonna turn off the light. Yeah. We'll see you when the next expansion comes out. Ba ba da da da, da ba. You, is that how Is that goes? cheers? Yeah, I'm trying cheers? to do cheers. Oh, well,
1: that, how does that go? Is that you, public domain? <laughs> can you throw that on here? It's definitely
0: not public domain.
1: Where everybody knows. You know. Oh, Hunter, no. I think we've done the cheers thing probably. Before, actually. Uh, let's
0: let's kick we it. Suck. We're actually going to do some errata, so let's go do some Let's do some errata. We actually kind of, we last week we were like, no agenda errata. Well, maybe we will. Maybe we will. We're recording this long before we're going to record the errata, so like I don't even know what you're going to get. Maybe it's going to be errata... About about uh, how bad of a game Twilight Imperium just is. Can I make a prediction? Yeah. What's Knob what? Daddy sends in an errata. Yes. And it says that you didn't pay your
1: bill. And we're like, <laughs> what bill? And then everything turns off. Arata <laughs> <laughs> from Knob Daddy shows over. Shows over. Daddy says no. Daddy says
0: you did it wrong. Daddy uses his quantum data hub node on us <laughs> to switch podcasts <laughs> with us. <laughs> And now he's in charge. Well, let's see if that happens. All right,
1: we'll see. You gotta give us three trade goods. Um, all right, so uh, welcome to. It's been a whole week since we recorded the episode last week, and it's
0: crazy. We, yeah, we really cooked up some stuff for you. Yeah, we 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 we, 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 we were dangling you by a thread, and you have no idea what to expect. What 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 kind of errata? Could how, we possibly how could do? we have what have we cooked up? What have the errata that we've time? gotten? Oh my god, it's so crazy.
1: We've got four four
0: whole questions. We got four, mm. and they're yeah, about
1: yeah, the yeah. episodes that, that they heard. Yeah. So like, it's kind of. Pretty standard stuff. Right. Uh, First Rod is uh, from Knob Daddy, and yeah. uh, he sent us... Uh, it's just
0: this weird... It, it's a piece of... Hold on. It's, it's this piece of paper, and it just says overdue payment. Yeah. And... This is really funny
1: for us because it's been a week since we did the thing that you just heard.
0: Yeah. And so like for us, it's this like a, a fun, fun callback.
1: Yeah, it's like a for us, it's a fun callback to last week, and for you, it's a callback to five seconds ago. <laughs> so I'll say there's no errata for me for uh, my the comedy show, the backyard comedy show I hey, did two, on Saturday. Two space cats came out. Two space kitties came out. They drank free beer till they had to be kicked out because they were a mess. Oh man, they just lost kidding, they, That was not they, true. Yeah. That's not true. Um, but funny. thanks to the to the two that did come out um uh you know want more got more free beer got more free we'll talk about that later stuff, let's talk yeah. about
0: let's let's quit wasting time uh yeah. we've got from our agendas episode a little bit of errata from gamer dad mitch who says what if some new agendas were added to the game that had differing power levels based on how many votes that were cast for them i think this is the coolest idea i ever. think it's cool too they've, they've good got a, dad you yeah, know what i'm saying this is a good game good dad. good dad good dad uh it, Gamer Dad's got their own example, just to kind of paint the picture for you. Uh, What what about Black Matter Research? The following happens based on the number of votes cast in favor of this agenda. Zero votes, nothing. One to five votes, every player voting for this agenda gets a free destroyer. Six to ten votes, everyone gets a cruiser. Eleven to twenty-five votes, everyone gets a carrier. Twenty-six or more votes, all War Sons are destroyed on the board. So just the idea of the more everyone decides to commit to this thing, the more you might all get for it. And then, you know, you can come up with crazy design within that spectrum of, right. like, if you go right. crazy, if if everyone votes all their influence in the game on it, what kind of crazy, wild things could happen. And
1: it's I like it because it's like poker then. It's like yes. you're upping the ante right. with each vote. And it's also, it's interesting that there really aren't any um, agendas like this. Like, the fact that we all, in the game, we specifically vote like a number of votes and that you have to tap the planets right. for. It. Like all of that, all of that mechanically is very... Um, specific. Yes. And it's odd that there really aren't any and it agendas that play with that. Right.
0: And 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 what's... I love uh, Gamer Dad's point, too. At the end of his kind of comment, he says, it, it may actually encourage people to count out votes and vote with only part of their influence instead of an all or nothing, which is the more commonplace thing. I agree with this, because anytime I vote, like, a random number, it's like, oh, I'll do six, four. I feel like I'm just being completely arbitrary. Right, right. It doesn't make any sense why I'm doing this, and, and like, Maybe we'll all go, but if there's, like, actually we're all trying to commit to some sort of goal, there is a reason for me to just do, like, like let's all do eight. Okay, we'll all do eight. It actually makes sense for us all to have right. come to this... Right. Whereas, normally, it's like, well, we want it to be four, but I'm just not going to vote anything, and now you have to vote all of yours. And- right,
1: and, like, where you are in rotation matters more. The only other right. thing I can think of is, like, there's that situation where it's like, we really don't want – we really don't want Jeff to get this. Yeah, we hate Jeff. Exactly. Jeff can't have it. Right. Jeff has 18 votes. All right, well, I'll put in six. Uh, well, I'm going to have to put in six too then. You put in seven. All right, I'll put in eight, you right. know, like that. Yeah, just it
0: just becomes a mess. And, and it's it- like, hey, hate Jeff. And I'm tired of Jeff <laughs> and I don't want to play with Jeff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just sick of playing with Jeff. I think uh, what I would just love to see out of more agendas is real choice. That's been the problem. That's the yeah. problem. We had other comments uh, thrown at us that were... were You know, just ideas of, like, the agenda deck might actually be kind of the weakest part of the agenda phase. The agenda phase itself is very exciting, but, like, most of the agendas we get to vote on are kind of like, well, maybe that doesn't matter right now. But my favorite example of a good, solid agenda is economic equality yeah because every time economic equality comes out there's gonna be i mean it's usually never not interesting right there's usually a debate unless just like nobody at all at the table has trade goods and it's like yeah of course we're gonna get five trade goods well, but, I, even no, then, but even then even then sometimes like, five trade goods is worth a point and not everybody has the point and so you want to block people from yeah it's just it is always a, a a thing that everyone needs to discuss rather than like four people just being like nah, i don't care honestly if i'm
1: like it to bring it back to hakan which is i believe what the episode was about uh, i don't I something remember like that. It's so long ago but uh <laughs> If I'm Hakan and for some reason I don't have any trade goods, like I spin them all or something, right. um, and then this comes out, I don't know if like I really want everybody getting all these trade goods right. and then including me, and then it feeling like I don't have as much to stand on. Yeah, it's you know? kind
0: of similar to the Do I kill my ground forces or do I get a bunch like. Do I kill half my ground forces and get a bunch of money or not? That's an easier choice usually. Right. But sometimes people are like, ooh, I don't know if the timing is right for me to lose a bunch. I love those agendas. Yeah. When the timing works out in that in that favor where it's like everyone actually has kind of a difficult choice to make and it's not just like, I want the point. No, I want the point. Yeah. Like those agendas aren't necessarily The only time, time I don't like economic
1: equality is when only one person has trade goods and they have a lot of them. So it just kind of feels like... Right.
0: Or Mentak is in the game.
1: Right. Well, we had that happen. I,
0: I, I think it's a very weird agenda when Mentec yeah, is Mentak in the game. Yeah, Mentec is very
1: strange because, yeah, they get to... Then They're just going to get a lot take... of money. Yeah, it's very yeah. silly. Uh,
0: our next one is not an errata necessarily from a specific person. Uh, Weir was really the one to point this out. But we we made reference to um, a post about Alex wanting to do a phased agenda. You know, two-phase or three-phase agenda thing. And we said, I said there was a post... I guess... Something got lost in translation where there was actually some confusion about whether or not we were ripping stealing off this idea. Or so Topaz Dragon 5676 has a post on Reddit about this idea. He had that idea the same time Alex had that idea. They were independent of each other, but Topaz actually spelled this out, has a really wonderful post on Reddit. You should go check it out, and it is about a split agenda deck that you can try at home alex has his own version of it and you guys should check that out i don't know that he ever posted it but it's somewhere i know we posted it on our discord but regardless topaz we didn't steal your i your your idea is a joke sorry that we mistranslated yeah, we, that we were being sarcastic about yeah.
1: having like being like because me and Alex... Okay, so full disclosure, this is what happened. Uh, me and Alex were getting ready for the episode, and Matt was, like, probably doing real work or something. And we were talking about this as an idea, and then Matt was like, you that's know a that's a thing right. already. And then we just, like, are... The way we are as people was we were just, like, sarcastically like, no, we just came yeah. up with this. This we, is our new we thing. We discussed
0: that it was a reference to something off air, and then on air we're just like, oh, wouldn't it be crazy if that was an idea? So... <laughs> That was really stupid of us to do. <laughs> uh, Alright, moving on to last week's episode, Trading with Hakan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the precursor to this episode, the prequel, if you will. Um, Hunter, give me, give me what did Stryker X Knight have to say?
1: Uh, Stryker X Knight had this to say. Um, My preferred approach with Hakan is to tax the one trade good by asking players for their worst action card. Then you can do equal trades with two or three players and acquire as many cards. This can then make Neural Motivator an easier miss. My preferred tech path is to pursue Dreadnought 2 first. Um, I think, well, this is a very situational thing. I, I would say that I, I I lightly disagree. And I would say that as a pretty light disagreement. Right. Um, I, feel like I want good action cards. Like I want right. the good action cards that Neural Motivator might provide me, and it might not. So that's why I'm saying I'm very. Yeah. It's a very I, very light disagreement between me and Striker. Um, however, I did want to include it because I did not think about this. Yeah. Uh, you could tax action cards in Instead order- Instead of a trade good. Right. You I can th- replenish your commodities. Just give me a junk action card. Right. And you know what though? Uh, d- to be more charitable, I think oftentimes a lot of people uh, will throw away- um action cards that aren't very good but they're as an action and to me as a to have a bunch of as an action action cards even if they don't do anything helpful is like right pretty great well
0: and also there's just the theory that like that action card isn't good for that player or that faction or that timing right but they give it to you and it you might, might be, be able to re. it might be good for you or you might be able to resell it to who it is good for later right i mean you give it to the person who does need it and they will pay a heavier price for it
1: yeah the only thing that i think kind of scares me about it though is like the hand limit of seven and also depending on what cards they have that might that tax might be too like it might literally yeah. just be like Oh, no, I can't do that because these are good action cards. And then, right.
0: like, you're not really getting the trade good. You know, yeah. It's a fun one to do sometimes. I don't think it can be just like your policy. Right. It right. can't because people will not do it all the time. With and the trade good tax, though,
1: you're essentially taxing somebody something they will always have. That they-
0: and right. you could always go down, too.
1: Like, you could be like, all right, I'll do an action card, and they're like, "No, they're like, okay, I'll do a trade, game. like yeah. I'll do a commodity, right. like just yeah, change it no up stop you, but
0: know? just tax whatever you can get them to pay you." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's why I like this idea: a- adding action cards into that mix For sure. helps a lot. I like it. I like it. Um, from Board Game Geek, Falcone1983 says, another thing that was sort of touched on, uh, but I would like to hear your thoughts in more detail. How should other players change their play when Hakan is in the game? Does the trade strategy card become a more or less attractive pick? And I don't mean this in the way of boycott Hakan lest they get out of control in the way that I tend to, or I used to say a lot, Um, but more in the way of, How can I, as a non hakan player, profit the most from Hakan being in the game? This is a really great question, and I want Hunter to give all his thoughts. I want to preface this by just saying I think our thoughts on this topic have evolved a lot. We got a few uh, things calling us out for how we used to talk about Hakon and be like, I don't think you should ever give them an an even trade ever. And there was a point in time where I did believe that. But as we kind of talked about just in this episode we're finishing up today, I think that shifts over time. And I think we have now hit this new point. So Hunter, with all of our new information about how Hakon operates in a game, how should we be trying to profit off of Hakon?
1: Well, um, a lot of it has to do with well okay before i even go into my point i want to say that i really like this question a lot and that i think this is basically a whole episode yeah, worth we, wild will question get and into we this. probably will um so right now and i reserve the right to change what i'm about yeah, to say definitely right?
0: and, and we, ha- we don't note that enough when everything we- about hakan especially because like we've talked about them being so meta-based everything is subject to change but yeah that goes for every faction but hakan especially it's like things evolve per game right So, um, like we
1: used to say, uh, you try and get this whole table boycott thing going. And I think that's probably the most effective way to play against a con. However, the obvious drawbacks are this. It requires a lot of discipline. Are people all going to agree to do that? And I think what we learned at first when we started doing this, it was like, this is doable. It isn't, though. No. Not across the board. There's going to be tables that do it, and there's going to be tables that... Someone will always break. Right. Right. Um, And once they break, then that's a problem. I, my new thing, and I say my, what I really mean is this is, and I I feel like we've dropped his name several times in talking about Hakon. Uh, David S. Noor started doing this thing that I I saw him do a couple times, which is he would court the Hakan mm-hmm. and essentially, I think I think we've already even described this in one of the episodes, but um, just to like refresh it real quick, um, the idea is that. You get the Hakan to just trade with you. You give them, like, basically their minimum. You literally have them trade trade goods to you, and then you give some of them back um, so that they have, like, you know, if they took the trade uh, strategy card, then they'll have nine, and you'll have three or whatever, right. whatever, whatever it is that your commodities are. Um, and the reason that I think this is actually a good thing to do is that you're keeping, like, the trade goods out of everybody's pockets, basically. Yeah. You're ensuring that, like... Right now, I'm not of the opinion that you can prevent Hakan from making money. I just don't yeah, I don't see it working out all the time. I think there will be times when you successfully do it, but I don't see it working all the time. So I think then the goal should be to mitigate the amount of money that Hakan is giving to other players. You want to be the only player that Hakan is trading with because it also kind of lowers their meta influence over the whole mm-hmm. table. People don't really have to think about them as much because you're really just the one in their pocket. Um, so I believe right now that courting Hakan seems to be like the most. It's not even a way to like beat specifically Hakan. It's more about like mitigating how you can win with Hakan in the game, right? And also um, Falcon references like what like should you pick trade? And I think though, by the way we described it in the episode, picking trade it doesn't really allow you to like. Completely mess up Hakan yeah. because they can always just like buy as long as they're willing to kick the can down around, right. which they might not be able to if it's like the last round of the game or whatever. Um, then it's kind of hard to stop them in that way because they don't have to ask for their commodities since they just get right. them. Um, I think at this point, I feel really unsure about how best to play against Hakan if you have trade. I know what it feels like to be Hakan and not have trade, and I feel like that's what we described in this episode. Yeah. But I wonder, and and I think something to explore for what essentially this is now just the precursor to an entire episode. Right. But to explore how to how to beat them from the other side. I don't
0: know. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. I think there I think there is a viable strategy in letting them take trade, but being their only go to person.
1: I mean I think Work. Uh, of all the factions, Hakon is the one that we will watch evolve yep, the most. Yeah, definitely. So.
0: Definitely. All right, and that's it. That's all the errata we're going to do. Um, they were fairly simple episodes as far as kind of what sort of community interaction they brought out. I think we'll have a lot more errata to do next week on this episode than the previous two. Yes, I So agree. I can't wait. Uh, and we're, we're getting getting close to the end here of of these first round strategies or i guess the show yeah we're about to cancel the show stop (laughs) it all right so uh before we cancel the show you can follow us on twitter (laughs) at space cats pod uh something we don't advertise very often about the twitter that is fun um i know a lot of people don't have twitter necessarily a lot of people have twitter a lot of our (laughs) our listeners don't necessarily have twitter but i get questions pretty often um about if we have maps posted anywhere of games we've played or whatever if we if we have any sort of database um there is a database on the subreddit that is being trying to work on and if you play a map you should post it there just to have a collection of you're maps talking about the cartographer the cartographer but then also if you're ever just looking you just want to build a map and you want to build something that's probably at least decently balanced we post pictures of almost every live game we play of ti every time we play in person i try to take pictures of like the game and progress reports throughout the game. So if you're ever just like, I don't want to build my own map right now, and I just want to throw something out there that's already decently balanced, well, we, we've we built multiple maps and all of them I think we would consider close enough to balance to be fun. And hit us up on our Twitter and uh, and find those photos in our backlog and you can play on one of our old maps. Yeah. Um, And I think the community at large should just do that more often. Get pictures of your maps and post them. Uh, You can also follow us on Facebook, uh, Space Cats Peace Turtles. Uh, Every week we post on the Twilight Imperium subreddit. That's where you can get errata like this into these episodes. Come and post and join in the discussion and bring up all these fun points, and you'll hear other people argue against you instead of just us. Yeah. And it's really fun. Uh, You can also join our BGG Guild for the same thing. Board Game Geek Guild. Uh, We post links to that in all over the place. One of these days, we're just going to have a website, and this rundown won't be... Like, two minutes long, it'll just be like, go to our website, but <laughs> we're really lazy. Uh, you can also email us, spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. That's where we submit our Plays of the Weeks and This Imperium Lifes. Uh, please contribute to our Patreon. Uh, we are two months away from gen con it's getting super real very real and we can't wait we're so excited to meet everyone who's going and we can't wait to film this tournament and that's what the patreon is all about so (sighs) consider contributing in these last two months i mean we're going to continue the patreon after but we've been very clear about like everything before gen con all the money we get through the patreon is for gen con and is intended to make gen con you know better so That's the goal. Uh, We've also got a Discord, uh, and you can please rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else. Uh, It helps increase visibility about this game that we love.
1: Hunter. Oh, right. Yeah. So um, I'm going to throw more stand-up comedy dates at you. They're like the same ones from last week, so whatever. But uh, Saturday, June 9th at 12 p.m., you can come to Yolks and Jokes uh, at The Lamp, which is a bar connected to the Aladdin Theater in Portland, Oregon. Um, it's a really cool show brunch show. Um, it, I will give you a mimosa if you come and say, Hey, I'm a space cat. I'm a peace turtle. Um, and then the more importantly on Tuesday, June 26th at the helium comedy club in Portland, I will be competing in the Portland's funniest person contest. The show starts at 10 PM. The tickets cost $10 unless you call the box office ahead of time and say, Hey, I know Hunter Donaldson and then they'll give them to you for five. Uh, it is a contest. So please come out and support me. And if you think, that I'm funny at the show. I'm a lot. Uh, I'll say this: one of the Space Cats listeners. Uh, oh, I'm so excited to say this. Actually, um, one of the listeners that came out to the barbecue show. I won't name them, but uh, I asked them, uh, "Was this a lot funnier than Space Cats Peace Turtles?" And he said, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm not funny. <laughs> Matt's not funny. No, I'm not funny in this context as much. Is <laughs> uh, really that's what I took away from it. Um, uh, do we wanna oh We it, wanna thank some people. Yeah, I'll thank some people real quick. I wanna thank Captain Scott, I wanna thank Nicholas Lundberg, and I wanna thank
0: Chief Ulfsar. Thank you for contributing to our Patreon. Yeah. Let's do a play of the week. Let's kick things let's let's finish this. Let's finish this Hakan discussion with a really great Hakan story from the Grand Xinti patriarch Azjee Thor. As Thor. As the Emirates of Hakan, I am tied at seven VP with the Embers of Muat.
1: The Arborek are at 6 VP, and the Ghosts of Krius and Clan are are trailing even f- further behind. The Arborek are going for a win play using Imperial to claim a public objective 2 in the action phase, and then another in the status phase. They have a sizable fleet, an extensive PDS2 network, and 15 Latani Warrior 2s swarming over their homeworld. All seems lost. But I propose that we pool the galaxy's resources to launch a deep strike at the Arborek homeworld. I broker every available trade good, action card and promissory note using my guild ships and arbiters. We flood the previously crippled Clan of Sar to create one of the greatest fleets ever seen. From almost nothing, the Star built two war suns, a fighter screen, dreadnoughts, and carriers full of troops. Using warfare primary, flank speeds, and a well-placed Ghost of Creus D-wormhole, and the Ghost of Creus flagship wedged deep in the Arborac territory. We will launch the clan of Sar Death Fleet using lightwave deflectors through the D-wormhole, past the Ghost flagship, to strike at the heart of the Arborac. Oh my god. <laughs> it should have been a ghost one. Um <laughs> the PDS2 fire is brutal. Uh, but then the outmatched Arborek fleet retreats. Just as the war sons and dreadnoughts are charging up to annihilate the ground forces, the Arborek play parlay to stop the invasion in its tracks. All the sabotages had already been used, leaving the Clan of Sar death fleet floating idly above the teeming Arborek homeworld. Hmm, Not really a play of the week, is it? And that's kind of just a fail of the week.
0: But wait, there's more! Oh, whoops,
1: there's more. The galaxy is resigned to being subjugated by their inevitable new plant overlords with all the resources and command counters spent, except for mine. For the final action of the match, I enter into my very first... (laughs) <laughs> my very first direct space combat hakan had done no combats um just paid everybody else just to paid do everybody else things. to do it um handily crushing a small fleet on my border with my five pristine dreadnought to yeah they were pristine because they had done nothing <laughs> yeah um and the wrath of Kinara. i score unveil flagship and watch as the arborec player's huge grin quickly f- fades to a grimace as i then as i am then uh first in initiative And I also claim a secret objective and a public objective in the status phase to claim the galactic throne for the majestic space cats.
0: So there you go. Ignore everything we said in our guide and Mm -hmm. just use all of your money as a con to fund everyone else's war efforts and then win anyways. Yeah, bank it and use it to lead that like attack against the other leader.
1: Right, yeah. Use it to shut down whoever is going to win yeah. so that you can then win. That's yeah. another way to do
0: it. That's just an easy way to do it. Just That's do a, that.
1: That is. I like that play of the week um, because it is so Hakon. Yeah. It is literally just like, I was playing Hakon. Let me tell you all the things other people did that <laughs> I motivated them to do.
0: <laughs> all <right>. Alrighty. Well. <laughs> Alright, well, love you. Bye. <laughs> That's what it sounded like you were gonna do it. sounded like you were about to hang out the phone on your dad. <laughs> all right, dad, love you. Hey, all right, okay. Oh, you're making baked beans? That's fun. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I gotta go. Yeah, no, I gotta no, go, dad. I gotta go. All right. I gotta work. Yep. I don't have to work, but I tell him that. I'll tell Fred you say hi. Yeah, I'll tell Fred you said hi.